You might not believe this, in the 1970s, I sang in a musical. Now, I didn't say star in a musical. I was in the back row in the chorus line. I was in a musical, and it was called Come Together in Jesus' Name. Those of you who are older, which doesn't seem many of you there, Kathy does. Hey, by the way, you know, you know the lady on the film, uh, the girl who sits by the girl who was on her own in a canteen? Did you see that bit where there's a girl sitting on her own and then the girl comes to sit next to her and starts talking to her? You know, that's what Kathy's praying over our granddaughter, that she'll be that person who reaches out. Don't underestimate the prayers that you can pray for your family, that God will answer them, but make some long-term prayers. You know, when she grows up, I want to see be this person. Keep praying, folks. I was in this musical, it's called Come Together, and uh, one of the songs said, uh, was this, may I introduce you to a friend, a friend on whom you can be depend, you can depend. He's been waiting patiently to meet you, and the last line was, meet Jesus. But today I kind of feel that what we need to do in, the, in our church and what we need to do as individuals, I feel I need to say to you, may I introduce you to a friend, a friend on whom you can depend. Meet the Holy Spirit. You see, God, he wants to communicate to you in really clear ways. I don't know whether you know this, but the person who founded eHarmony, the dating site, was uh, Professor Neil Warren. And uh, he, uh, Neil Clark Warren, and uh, what happened with Dr. Warren was, he's a, he's a theologian and a, a psychologist and taught at Fuller Theological Seminary. And he started to see and be disappointed at how many divorces there were all across America, but also in amongst the Christian world. And uh, he then interviewed 5,000 married couples and analyzed why they got together and, and where, where they had conflicts. And, and he came up with 29 dimensions of how to choose a partner. Now, just because you think eHarmony is a Christian thing, don't all run out and sign up for it and so on. But what I'm saying to you is he, he said this. He said, look, out of the 600,000 marriages in 2014 that got together through eHarmony, there were only 3.8% of those people who had a divorce. And today in Britain, our divorce rate is 42%. And his only point was, it pays to find out about somebody if you want a relationship with them. And I know the world take that to a worldly angle of living together and all the rest of it. You know, I, I, I get that. And so there are limits to that. And not every relationship can be a, a kind of static thing about, well, I know these things about you, so therefore, uh, you know, we'll get on automatically. I know that relationships aren't fully like that. But if we perhaps looked into our relationship with the Holy Spirit and tried to understand how does he work, rather than just the bland, oh, fill me, Lord, oh, fill me, Lord, oh, fill me, Lord which is appropriate and good, and we'll probably get to that point. But I wonder if we could understand some things of, of how God works, how the Holy Spirit works. Just before he went to the cross, Jesus invited us to an intimate gathering, and he invited his disciples to an upper room. And he shared some of his most important 
final things that he wanted to say to his disciples. And, and it was 24 hours or maybe just a bit longer before he was going to the cross. And he said five things about the Holy Spirit that I want to share with you today. My goal today is not that you just know more about God or more about church or even more about the Holy Spirit. What I'm trying to do is, is share some inner workings and some inner dimensions of the Holy Spirit so that you will do some simple things to build a relationship with Him. See, if you're here today, this church isn't about religion. It's about relationship. This church isn't about, uh, you know, just doing the songs and so on. Our songs are prayers set to music so that we can build a relationship with God. So that we can get closer to Him. And that's what I'd like to do over the next few weeks is to coach you a little bit on building a relationship with the Holy Spirit. For it's in these times that we live that we're going to have to be responsive to what God is saying. We're going to have to hear what he's saying. And of course, the Holy Spirit speaks through the Bible and he'll do that. And that's probably the main way he does speak. But we're to navigate and respond to everything that's before us. We're going to have to hear what he's saying. In Colossians chapter 1 verse 9, in a moment I'm going to take you to John 14. But Colossians 9 and 10 says this. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. How many here would like some understanding that the Spirit gives? You know, and so, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Can I say this in the right way? And I'm saying it rightly. As Christians, often, we'll proof text the Bible to justify what we do. And, and, and we find a little sentence in the Bible that says something, we say, oh good, we can do that. And that's appropriate, that's fine. But I think there's a, there's a move coming and a, and a people of God coming whereby you're hearing not just the word of God, but it's living to you. And, and the Holy Spirit's directing and downloading things in our spirit too. Grounded in the word, of course. But I think there's some of us who are just trying to find a sentence to, so we can carry on. And what we need to do is step back and begin to say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Now come on, be honest with you. There are some people in this room who are very spirit orientated and you're, whoo, you're all the time, Holy Spirit, what tie should I wear? Holy Spirit, what shoes should I wear? And some of you are going, oh, just make your mind up. You know, <laughs> just choose, you know. But there are some of us in this room also that, that we feel like we're a block of wood. Like, oh, if I don't read it in black and white in the Bible, I never hear anything. And we're kind of, there's a dichotomy amongst us. There's a, there's a split amongst us. I wonder if you can become a little bit more spirit-orientated in your life. Grounded, balanced, but yet crazy for God. Now, see, not many of you said that, did you? Amen. Just my twin on the front row here. Let me, let me take you to what I call the inner workings of the Holy Spirit. 
Because there's both an understanding and a response that we have to have in order to get this moving. In the upper room, Jesus describes the Holy Spirit as an advocate or as a helper in five brief teaching points. And, and each time he says something about how the Holy Spirit is or what he will do, and then something about how we can relate to him. So there's a kind of statement of fact about the Holy Spirit, and then there's an implication about how you can live that out or something he wants you to do because the Holy Spirit's like the way he is. I'm going to try and describe four of them and and maybe number five, I'll probably delve into that a bit and then maybe carry it on a little bit next week. Are you with me? Go to John chapter 14, verse 16. Inner dimension number one. He is with you continually and consistently. Therefore, You are not an orphan. Read it with me. I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth, the world can't accept him. You see, he's exclusive to us. Because you neither see him or know him. But you know him for he lives with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. This is a fantastic thing about Christianity. It's marvelous that Jesus promises the consistent presence of God and the Holy Spirit and the presence of the Helper. And because that presence is with us all the time, it means factually you can never be a spiritual orphan. You know, I've struggled with this in my life. When I found my father when I was eight years old and my my dad died, he dropped dead and I found him next to our car and I was the one that discovered him. Some sort of spirit came on me that day and it was like an orphan spirit and it manifested through my life of, well, I've just got to take care of myself then. There's nobody to look after me. My mother was too busy working in the factory to make ends meet and to keep our house and home together. So she didn't really have the time. And I just thought, well, this is life then. I'm going to be responsible. I'm going to stand on my own two feet. And over the years, my heart grew fossilized. And, and, And the orphan spirit says, I'm alone. The orphan spirit says, everything depends on me. Because nobody's looking out for me. The orphan spirit says, I'm so responsible for everything, I can't really expect any help. And when I came to the Lord, it was a a breaking of my heart and an opening of my mindset to, to begin to say, you know what, you need to be connected to people. You need to be connected to God. You need to have a receiving heart. My heart was so hard. I thought, unless you get it yourself, you don't get it. And, and it's okay being responsible, and, and that's okay. And, and we need to teach young people to stand on their own two feet, you know, and not think that everything's about going to coffee houses and do life together. You know, we, we need some industry. I get all of that. But I, I, could, I would walk in a room and, and instantly think, I don't belong. And the orphan spirit... You've come here today, and the orphan spirit says, I bet these people won't like me. Instant rejection. And Jesus comes along, 
And a relationship with the Holy Spirit challenges this and says, you need to connect. You need to step outside of your boundaries, take a risk, and you will find that I will connect you with others and you can receive from me. The orphan spirit is spoken against by the Holy Spirit because he says, ask for help, receive, open up. You can relate to God and you can relate to others. It's okay to be responsible, but you mustn't become isolated. You know, if we drew a graph around your chair right now, you might be sitting next to somebody, but if there was a kind of uh, you know, a spirit graph, would there be a fence around your chair where you're isolated, really? Where you are sort of person that says, well, I'd receive more from God, but I don't want to go weird. And your keynote thing is, Lord, I don't want to be weird. And actually what you're really saying is, I am locked up and I have an orphan spirit. And the Holy Spirit challenges that and says, receive. Open up. I'll speak to you. I'll be gentle with you. Receive. Open. Inner working number two. John chapter 14 verse 26 says this. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. He teaches you what you need to know and reminds you of what you already know. We, we often can feel like, I can't do that because I don't know it. Do you remember that Jesus, his disciples were, they were hardly the best Christians, were they? But he sent them out on mission and said, hey, fellas, give it a go. I'm only sending you to Israel. And they came back and said, we can hardly believe it that demons are subject to your name. And we've given it a go. And we didn't know we could do that, but now we know we can because the Holy Spirit gave us what we know what we could do, even though we didn't know it, as we did it, the Holy Spirit poured it into us. Some of us live in fear of stepping out. It's just a little step. And, and, and we think it's like university where you take a course, take an exam, and then you're qualified. You know what? I'm unqualified to be your pastor for the next few years because I'm going to learn how to go deeper with the Holy Spirit. And you're unqualified to do everything that God is calling you to do. He just wants you to, as Jane said earlier, trust, step out, and he'll teach you what you need to know. Now, do you see there's two sides to it? He's going to remind you what you do know, so don't forget that. It's not a complete step in the dark. You do know some things. And he's going to fill you with that and say, hey, you know this. Go on that grounding. Stop listening to lots of voices. Let me remind you of what I first taught you. But now step out and I'll teach you what you need to know. I, you know what? I want to pray for a stepping out spirit. A stepping out spirit. 
Come on, just say that out loud with me. Lord, give me a stepping out spirit. Step out. Step out. Step out. And as you step out, he's going to teach you what to do. You know, we don't know everything, do we? There's a fellow one time that he, he had, and in America, they had this weird system of like you build up hours and credits to get your degree. And there was a guy who was one hour class short, you know, and he had to go an hour a week, you know, to do And he thought, what, what class? I want to take an easy class. I want to take an easy class because I've only got one hour left to get my degree. So he just took a, a, a class on ornithology or bird watching. And he said, because he heard that the professor who did it, everybody passes. Because they just basically sat and watched slides of birds. And, and if they showed up, then he, he went to the class and, and, every, and you know, they just passed the class by just showing up and looking at slides of birds. And it wasn't really a big test at the end of it. The professor got ill and a new <laughs> teacher came in who was really hot on, on the subject and wanted to make sure that everybody really was tested and had examinations and could spot every bird and everything. And on one of the tests, the new professor who's really keen, and let's face it, some of you are this new professor. <laughs> I know, you're very keen people. He, he, he had a test where, where you had to identify the birds by their legs. And he's going, what? Do you know what the birds look like? And you want to identify them by the legs? He said, I'm giving this class up. And they, he started walking out of the class and the professor said to him, he said, hey, I, I don't know your name so I can strike you off the list. He lifted up his trouser legs and said, you guess what my name is. <laughs> You know, there will be times when you don't know. You remember the apprentice, Claude, who was interviewing them at the last? He said, you don't know what you don't know. There will be times when you, when you feel like, you know, I, I just don't know everything. And it's at those times that the, you can pause and say, Holy Spirit, can you give me what I don't know? Now, for some of you, are saying, what? You see, you already know enough to step out. And as you step out, he's going to coach you and bless you. Inner dimension three. It's found in John chapter 15, verses 26 and 27. Why don't you look at that? The Spirit goes out from the Father testifying of Jesus, so you're going to be sent out to testify of Jesus. When the advocate, when the helper comes, the one who draws alongside and coaches you and helps you, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify of me, says Jesus. The Holy Spirit always speaks what Jesus is like. And you also must testify, for you know you've been with me from the beginning. A relationship with the Holy Spirit will point you to speak about Jesus. In fact, as you tell others about Jesus, you'll build up your relationship with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will speak through you and with you and point you to people to speak to. You'll be nervous. 
It'll be nerve-wracking. Sometimes you think, oh, should I speak to that? You know, you'll feel like you should speak to that person. And you'll go, no, no, it's not. It's just me. I'm being weird. I've eaten some cheese or something. And, and you'll, you'll take courage in your hands and you'll speak to them. And they'll go, oh, so thank you. We were at a conference yesterday. And what we've done as Christians, we've said to ourselves, people don't like us. So don't let us be as cool as possible so that people don't get as bad impression of us. You know, let's pretend we never have a bad day. Let's pretend that we're all fashionable. Let's pretend that we all know what we're doing. And we know that that's just not true, isn't it? If you're here for the first time, we are weird sometimes. Sometimes we, we can't string our clothes together. Sometimes you'll look at us and think, what are you wearing? And then there'll be other times when we'll have a bad day, we'll have a bad hair day. And can, may I just say, ladies of BCC, can you just stop changing your hairstyle? It's, it's killing me. I can't remember your names. If you keep changing your hairstyle, I'm trying to remember who you are. And then you'll come the next week and you've got a different thing going on. And I'm thinking, is that you? Is that really that person? And it's kind of, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. Oh, it's so hard being me. It really is. But you know, we've said to ourselves, we've got to be these perfect people because people don't like us. We were at a conference yesterday and they went out on the streets and they had a simple question. They said, do you know that God loves you and he's got a plan for your life? And he said, nine out of ten people said, really? I want to know more. And that old 1970s evangelism explosion question, they'd say, you know, what if you died tonight? Would you go to heaven? They said, well, I don't know. Tell me more. They had, in Wales, over 4,000 people pray on the streets, accepting Christ into their lives by simply just going up to people. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, come on, let's give the Lord praise. It does, liking you is not the issue. He that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. And he that is in you is going to point you to people. And some people will make fun of you. But, but then don't let that feed the orphan spirit. The Holy Spirit will whisper and say, well done, my son. How brave were you? And then if the Holy Spirit testifies of Jesus, you must also testify of him. And as you do, you'll go on an adventure with him. You'll be sitting somewhere and he'll go, what about him over there? Oh no, they look scary. And you'll go, yeah, but God's much bigger than he is. And it'll be an adventure. Inner dimension four. Jesus is now unseen in this world. But the Holy Spirit makes his work seen and known in this world. We must allow this and flow with it and live in the reality of it. Let's stop censoring what the Holy Spirit is trying to do in others. Turn, turn with me to John chapter 16 verses 7 through 11. But verily, but very truly, I tell you, Jesus said, it is for your good that I'm going away. I just, just pause there. He's 24 hours from hanging on the cross and he's saying it's good. It's good. This is a good thing that I'm about to do. Thank you, Lord. 
good for me. It wasn't so good for you, Lord. But I'm glad that you had that attitude for the joy set before you. You endured the cross for me. Unless I go away, the helper, the advocate, will not come to you. But if I go, I'm going to send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict or prove to the world to be wrong about sin, righteousness and judgment. Now that sounds a bit heavy, doesn't it? But if, if I see somebody and they're about to hurt themselves, it's a loving thing for me to step closer to them and say, that's not good for you. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He steps towards people and says, you see what Jesus did? He's going to help you in some of the things and all of the things are not good for you. You see, he's going to convince people about sin because people don't believe me. He's going to convince people about righteousness because I'm going to the Father and when you, when you can see me no longer and about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Let me break those things up. Jesus is going away not to be seen but the Spirit is, although he's unseen, he's going to press home the work of Jesus in people's lives. He's going to say to them, even though you weren't there, this is what this work does for you. You have to allow the Holy Spirit to do his work in your friends and in you and allow him to convict you. That word convict doesn't mean make you feel bad for no reason. It means convince you of something that is really important for you to receive. It's a convincing spirit, not just a thumb on your head spirit that says, I just want you to feel bad. We use the word conviction in, the, in, in terms of being a criminal was convicted of something. And it, we have negative thoughts about it. But actually, I want you to see it like a, like a mother putting her arm around her son or her daughter and saying, Honey, don't do that because that's going to hurt you. It's a convincing. Firstly, it's a convincing that sin is ruling our hearts. And when sin rules us, it spoils us. If you're here today and you're living for yourself and, and you have never thought about giving up your, your, your self-orientation life, that self-life, that sin life, it's killing you. It's spoiling you. There are many Christians here who would say to you, I used to be this, and, and what I was before I accepted Jesus isn't half as good as what I am now. Is there a Christian in the place who'd say amen to that? Okay, some of you. And the Holy Spirit convinces us of the right standing with God is possible. And that that's, and it's necessary through Jesus. Listen, in this city, there are a lot of faiths telling you how to get a right standing with God. And actually, the Holy Spirit says, you know what? All of that there's only one way to have a right standing with God, and that's through Jesus. And even though the BBC and everybody wants to tell us that we're being narrow-minded, I am so glad that the plane 
that a pilot of a plane is narrow-minded. I don't want him to land over there or over there or over there or somewhere in the city. I want him to put it on the runway so I'm safe. There is only one way to the Father, and that's through Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And the Holy Spirit convinces us of that. I'm not narrow-minded. I'm just focused. If a surgeon operates on me and there's a problem with my shoulder, I don't want him to say, hey, where do you want me to take a piece out of? I'm going to say, excuse me. The Holy Spirit convinces us that the enemy is now kicked out, has no authority over us. So why are you listening to him? Stop believing his lies. What voice are you listening to? There'll be some people in this room and you don't maybe believe in spirits But there are some naughty, evil spirits that have been speaking to you for your whole of your life, saying how worthless you are. And the Holy Spirit is going to kick that out and say, the prince of this world is now condemned. He's got no authority. He's off the throne. The Holy Spirit is going to put Jesus on the throne where you can live and have life. And what I've noticed about Christians is, is when a non-Christian begins to say, you know what, I feel really bad about the way that I live. Christians start going, oh no, don't feel bad. We don't want you to live in any condemnation. We want you to feel bad about sin. So that you'll turn away from it and be safe. Amen, church? Now, we don't want you to feel bad for no reason. We don't want you to feel bad because we just want to get at you and have a heavy religion. We want you to be free from the things that are spoiling you. And I'd say to you as a Christian today, there'll be times when the Holy Spirit's going to put a finger on on a bruise in your life and say, what is that? And it's going to convince you to let that go. What's that continual tape playing in your head? Last thing, and this is more of a receiving thing than perhaps a teaching thing. In a working of the Holy Spirit 5, in John chapter 16, verses 12 through 15, Jesus said this, I've got much to say to you, more than you can bear. But, what, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he's going to guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his own. He will only speak what he hears and he'll tell you what is to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive and he will make known to you. You see how close this is? That the Holy Spirit isn't doing his own thing. There is in connection and submission and in partnership with Jesus? If God's like that, why shouldn't we have lots of relationships in our lives? Why are you a lonely traveler saying, I don't need anybody? And yet even God himself says, I only do what this other person says and I glorify that person and that person rejoices in me and And I rejoice in that person. I know the Trinity is really hard to understand, but do you see the relationality of it all? And then he goes on and says in verse 14, He will glorify me because 
It is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. Look at this, verse 15. All that belongs to the Father is mine. Jesus speaking. This is why I said the Spirit will receive from me and will make it known to you. What's in Jesus? Everything that the Father has. And he'll make, and so the Spirit takes everything that Jesus has, which is everything the Father has given him, and makes it known to you. So the Holy Spirit is going to do something about glorifying Jesus and teaching you what he's like, and then something about revealing to you what the Father is like. Because Jesus, everything that the Father's got, Jesus has got it. It belongs to him. And the Holy Spirit is going to take what's in Jesus and break it open to you. So this is what happens. The Holy Spirit leads you to Jesus and teaches you and presses into your mind, this is what Jesus is like. Hey, in this situation, this is what Jesus would do. Reveal to you more and more about what Jesus is like. And for some of us, we've come to a level, we're at a niveau, I'm at a niveau, and I want to, over this month, I want to press into Jesus more. I want to learn some things more about Jesus. You know, I, I, I did it, I done two 40-day full-on fasts in my ministry. And, and the first time, you know, did it, struggled through it, did some things, it worked, felt stronger. Second time, I just need to say to you, I'm a complete fraud. Because I got to day six of the, of the fast. And I read a scripture. It's in 1 John 2, verse 6. It says, anyone who lives in Jesus must do what Jesus did. I read that scripture. It was like a revelation. I said, well, Jesus fasted for 40 days, so I'm just going to copy him. And until day 39... I was hardly hungry because I just felt like I was walking and copying Jesus. And I say that to you to say this. In any situation that you find yourself this week, why don't you pause and say, can I copy you, Lord? Can I, Holy Spirit, will you give me a revelation of what Jesus would be like. Now the word tells us what Jesus would be like. So you're not starting from zero. And you already know some things what Jesus is like. So you know some things to do. But he's going to give you some particular things. So the Holy Spirit takes you to Jesus deeper and deeper. And if you need today a foundation to base your life on. By the way, what are you basing your life on? Who's your hero? Who's your image that you're looking up to? Kanye and... What's her name? You know, Kim and, you know, don't, you know, some of you are basing your life on Bruce Jenner and look where that's got you, you know. It's really changed. You, do you know what I'm saying? If you base your life on somebody, if you base your life on me and say, oh, I want to be like Pastor Mark, I'm going to let you down. Don't do that. But if you say, show me Jesus, show me more of him, let me understand him. Let me get into him. Let me get deeper about him. Let me learn his teachings. Let me, let me find what he's like. Let me know how to suffer like he suffered. Then you're going to build your life on something that will last forever. Amen? 
And if you accept him today, he'll take you to heaven and you'll be with him forever. But then, when the Holy Spirit takes you to Jesus, Jesus takes you to the Father. And he opens his heart, his Father heart, to you. And you begin to have birthed in you, not just the image of Jesus, but the Father heart of God. And there are some fathers waiting to be birthed in this room, and it's not a gender thing. As a woman, you've been a great mom, but you can have the Father heart of God, the heart that provides for people. The Bible says how great our Father is that he gives generously all good gifts, a heart that provides for others. A heart that protects people. The Bible says that love always protects. It's always kind. A heart that is forgiving. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. You're the one who forgives. He's got a forgiving heart. He's got a loving heart. And he wants to birth that type of heart in you. And the inner workings of the Holy Spirit is, take me to Jesus and give me the heart of the Father. Give me that heart. And as Christians, we can build up our knowledge base. That's great. But we've got to deepen our heart reservoir of what God's like. Ever so reverently and quietly, would you stand to your feet with me? I'm going to ask the worship team just to come. So would you just hold your hands out with me? Just as the band are coming. Just hold your hands out in front of you. And I want you to say a prayer with me. You see, because Jesus said in John 10, he said, my sheep will hear my voice. And that voice is the voice of the Holy Spirit. And if you hold your hands out with me, would you pray this prayer? Simply, we've been praying it all of our lives, but now pray it with some revelation would you say make me more like Jesus come on say that out loud with me make me more like Jesus it's such a simple prayer isn't it but behind this prayer is reveal to me what Jesus is like in the situation that I'm going to face Some of you are going into tough schools tomorrow. Some of you are going into really difficult work situations. And just for this moment, could you just lay all those other thoughts down and say, reveal Jesus to me. So come on, let's pray it again. Make me more like Jesus. Come on, let's say it together. Make me more like Jesus. And you know, just as we close our service, 
be comfortable doing this, but if you are, would you raise your hand with me? Or you can keep it out in the front if, you, if it helps you more, but maybe you could raise your hand with me. And why don't you pray this with me? Give me a father's heart. Give me the father's heart. All over this place, Holy Spirit, I ask you to break unforgiveness. I ask you to break things of non-provision, of stinginess. Lord, I ask you to break those unkind things. Lord, I ask you to break those hard things. And Lord, I pray that you'll melt away any orphan spirit. But why don't we just all pray one more time. Give me the Father's heart. Before you do that, ladies, you can pray this. Because the Father's heart is not a gender thing. It's a character thing of love, forgiveness, provision, and protection. So raise your hand with me and say, say it out loud with me. Come on. Give me the Father's heart. See, church is about receiving things, not just learning things. Just in your spirit now, as we're going to sing a song. We're going to sing it gently, but... But why don't you just pray yourself? The band can carry the music. That's fine. Why don't you just pray and say, show me more of Jesus. You know, I just know that there are some people in this place and you're building your life on someone other than Jesus. And I just need to say to you, it's not going to last. It's going to break. It's going to hurt you. Come home to Jesus. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, just minister to these lovely people. Show them your heart, Lord. Show them how much you love them, how much you care about them. Show them how much your heart breaks for them. Lord, Holy Spirit, would you begin to reveal Jesus more to us of how we can trust him how we can model our lives after him. How we can receive him. Holy Spirit. You know, when I talk and preach about the orphan spirit, sometimes people think it's because they've done something wrong. And often the orphan spirit just attaches itself to people because of life circumstances. And can I just give you some assurance? I had an orphan spirit on my life for a long time. I hadn't done anything wrong. And so today I'm going to ask some people to be really, really brave. And if you want to leave that orphan spirit behind, I'm going to ask you to walk out of the seat where you're standing. And you see, you're going to step out and think. You see, the orphan spirit in you right now is going to say, what will people think? What will people think? I couldn't do that. They'll think there's something wrong with me. But actually, we'll all be rejoicing that you're being a real son and a real daughter and coming home to a father who loves you. So can I stand with you? Can I be the first one that comes out and say, God, I'm really sorry that I allowed the orphan spirit to rule my life for such a long time. And I give that to you now. I surrender to you completely, Jesus. Who's the first one to join me up here? Here's someone who wants to say, you know what? I don't want to be 
just on my own. I don't want to be out of relationship. I've got a few friends, but I want to go deeper and I'm just going to release that. Come on, who's the first one who wants to join me up here? Let's break some things in this place today. God bless you, sir. Who's number two? Who's number three? Come on, let's just, let's just do business with God where we say, God, I'm just giving it all to you. It's time to come home, church. It's time to come home. Some of you are holding on to your seats and say, I hope he doesn't look at me. But that's the Holy Spirit convicting you and saying, why don't you give everything to Jesus? So, can I ask you, is there anybody here where you just like to raise your hand and say, I would like to accept Jesus into my life. I've never done it. And I'd like to do it for the first time. Is there anybody here? And you just got your hand. Can I just see your hand? Anybody here? Anybody over here? Yeah, thank you. God bless you. Keep your hand up. Just raise just for a moment. Is there anyone else where you just want to receive Jesus? Anybody in the middle? See, we're not embarrassed about it. Well done. God bless you. I'm going to pray a prayer and we'll pray it together in a few moments. Is there anyone over here where you say, I'd like to accept Jesus? Yeah, God bless you. Well done. How brave are you? We want to celebrate that decision. Should we just welcome these people? Should we just get, say, well done. God bless you. Holy Spirit. So let's all pray this together. Heavenly Father. I'm sorry for the things I've done. Let's say this together. I'm sorry for the things I've done. Come into my life. Be my Lord. From now on, direct me. Forgive me. I give you my life. I'm sorry. Come into my heart now. Amen. You two folks, if you prayed that prayer, we want you to come and just come and Pastor Nick's here. And just as we start singing or at the end of our service, just come and talk to Pastor Nick. He is in the blue shirt here. And we want to give you some things to help you on your journey.